Hello and welcome to the FEZ Show. It is the 23rd of April and we have some great topics to talk about today. Remember, if you're liking the content that we are producing, then you can always hit that subscribe button. It helps us out massively. And a big thank you to all the people who have subscribed to the channel recently. So joining me on the show today is Jack Pickering and Edward Hunter. Morning, boys. Morning. Yeah, it's good to see you both again, Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah, two double Jacks and an Ed. I don't know. It's Jack, Jack and Ed doesn't have the same ring as Ed, Ed and Eddie. No. We need to get Nichols on it. So we, we, uh, we need to get Nichols on at some point just to make yeah. a Jack special. Oh Triple yeah, make Jack. my life even harder than it currently is. Triple Jack. So, boys, we got some great topics to talk about today. And the first thing I want to talk about is actually nothing to do with Formula E. But it's sort of Formula E sidekick side little spin-off series that they seem to be doing at this precise moment. Every every good series needs a spin-off series, and Formula E have got one in the form of Extreme E. Now, I want to talk about Extreme E just because it sounds really interesting as a concept, and more and more Formula E drivers and Formula E teams are getting on board. I think Sam Bird is, for example, he's joined the Drivers Club as long as John Eric Verne. John Eric Verne might have also just put his own team in Veloce um, into the series. So Veloce Racing have, have signed up. You have HWA, who were in the Formula E last season. You've got Andretti, who have just signed up very recently. So a lot of Formula E teams in there, a lot of Formula E drivers interested. So, you know, it might be, Jack, a really good little sidekick sideshow series. Well, yeah, I, I know that... Um... Uh, I know that it is also going to be broadcast uh, definitely in the UK on the BBC. Um, so, yeah, it, it it might get some attention. I assume that it will be exclusively Red Button. I can't see I can't see the odd race getting onto one of the main channels. But, no, I, uh, I like the idea of it um, because I do like a bit of rally. Um, and, yeah, they're going to some places where you don't really expect to go to. So, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, that's why I want to pick you up on, actually, because they're not racing in just normal city centres. It's not like Formula E. But although it'd be quite hilarious if the if the spin-off show actually gets on the main BBC broadcast and the Formula E can't. But um, where you said, though, they said, you know, they're going to be racing in places like the Arctic. You've got the Amazon rainforest. You've got the desert in, in Africa. You know, they're going... In the name, I suppose, but they are going to some pretty extreme locations. The ocean as well. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're racing on water, but we'll obviously be racing pretty close to the ocean. Um, so, Ed, they've got some proper serious locations that might be quite interesting to actually watch a racing spectacle. Yeah, because I think Alejandro Gag, who, of course, um, is the CEO and he used to be the CEO of Formula E as well, and he sort of stepped back a little bit to be the chairman in order to focus on Extreme E. And one of the big modus operandi was... We're going to go to these remote places, A, because we don't have to ask any, too many people for permission to race there. So I guess that eliminates some of the problem I have formerly in the sea centre things, but also it's to draw attention to the effects of climate change. And they're going to travel to all the races on this boat, I think, called the uh, St. Helena, which has been sort of modified to be more emissions friendly and stuff. But I think what we're going to move on to talk about now, Jack, uh, like you said, is the, uh, is the format. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. I wanted to talk about the format of the actual show. So the first race actually is going to take place in Dakar in 2021 on the 23rd to the 24th of January. But the race format is something that's come into question. I've sort of read about it. I've, when I first looked at it, I thought it was quite complicated. Um, but as I've sort of gone through it a bit more, it might be still slightly complicated, but a bit more. I understand it a bit more. So I suppose when you read something more and more, you end up clarifying its meaning. Um, so what it seems like, boys... This is this format, so they've got a qualifying system. It seems like this hasn't been confirmed though, I haven't, from the website. There seems to be, I don't know if there's going to be like a qualifying race, there's going to be, or just a qualifying session around the circuit. And plus, we don't know how big these circuits are going to be because we we were hypothesizing rally or rally cross sort of styles, which, you know, make it completely different to what we've seen um, electric vehicles do. So, what it is, they'll do a qualifying, and the top six will qualify to a semi-final. So they'll go through to the semi-final, and that will be split. Whoever qualifies first, second, and third seems to go into one semi-final. Fourth, fifth, and sixth go into a second semi-final. But if you qualify from seventh to twelfth, you will be in a crazy race. So then that crazy race will happen first, and only the winner of the crazy race will progress to the final. And then the top two in the semi-finals will then progress to the final. So then you'd have a six cars in the final. Um, and then from there on, you'd you'd have your race to, for, the, for the grand winner. So I feel like it's a hybrid system of a rallycross sort of heat system, Jack. It seems like it's not a heat system, but it's very much like a heat system, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it is quite complicated when you first get it explained to you as i proved just off air about five minutes ago when you had to explain it to me about five to, uh, uh, about three times and then i had to write it down yeah they might um i i would expect that they'd that they'd probably be what about four or five kilo uh, well any anything up to about 10 kilometers i, I wouldn't expect anything more than that because that's what that's the question i think of, i have in terms of extreme e at the moment ed is just you know we were talking about a rallycross section, but rallycross tracks are quite short, so you can get lots of heats in. Um, we don't know. They're going to these extreme locations. That's why I thought a rally stage would be amazing to see, you know, environmentally, men environmentally mentally, I can't say the word, but friendly cars um, going around the Amazon rainforest, for example, or going, you know, around these Arctic locations. But if you've got a long stretch and it is like a massive trail, then... You know that would be pretty that would be pretty interesting whereas i think if you go for this system it has to be some sort of circuit based whereas it's not just from front to back because you need to get a winner so and you probably have to do a couple of laps i don't think you'd be racing on a nature trail but i won't say it's a nature trail but you are using nature to sort of make the track i suppose i suppose when you go to the arctic you've got all the space in the world but if you're racing in the amazon rainforest you know you shouldn't be chopping down trees to make a racetrack like you, you've got to use what you've got in front of you yeah, I'd be very surprised if they did end up doing that, to be honest, because it would sort of go completely against the ethos of the series, the whole sort of selling point of it, as I said earlier. But a um, uh, couple of things. I, I actually seen the Odyssey EV at Good Festival of Speed, did a few showruns, and it's this really big SUV. I think a gag was there helping promote it. Uh, I looked at Williams Advanced Engineering are doing the batteries. So they did the batteries in the Formula E cars in, during season one, if you remember, of season one through to season four in the Gen 1 car and I, so I wonder if maybe the circuit based thing is it's either I think it's either two things it's either to do with the range of the batteries that Williams can do or if they've got the same range of say McLaren advances technologies Gen 2 battery 
Uh, also, it could be to do with the TV formats. Uh, we've got the BBC and uh, several other countries doing live coverage, of course. And if it's just rallying in the desert from like point A to B and it takes several hours, then that's not exactly TV friendly. So it's more knockout style format with the crazy race. I love that because we know nothing about the race other than that it's crazy. So is it like all the drivers get heat stroke in the desert and that just goes them a bit loopy? I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, so. It's, that's a re really good point, actually, because you say the crazy race. So it's a crazy race. So you know you want to go into this race thinking that something crazy is going to happen because you i, I guess it's it sort of because if race. you don't win the crazy race you're out so everyone's taking crazy risks to win i guess is the implication but i would like to ask is the is it actually officially called a crazy race is, well, on, or on is their, it just the website, name that we've given it no on their website okay. it's officially okay. called a crazy race I didn't come out of that. I didn't come out with that term for no reason. I just, we're just gonna, <laughs> no, I'm just, no. I'm just gonna call it you the just, crazy yeah, race. Basically, basically, you just looked at it, thought, I've got no idea what's going on. I'm calling it crazy. I'm out. I'm out. I'm ousting. Uh, I'm ousting extremely right here. Uh, <laughs> Pico, don't eviscerate Jack on the Jack show. That's not. Uh, that's not good. That's hilarious. No, I just find. I think the. I, you know. Discussing it, I suppose what we need to find out now, obviously we're 23rd of April, so there's still a few months away until technically this gets underway. So what we want to know now is obviously the first races in Dakar now, they're not going to use the full Dakar rally stage. But obviously the, the Senegal Desert there is it's a huge space, so whether or not they make a circuit or a big enough circuit and I don't think like if it was a rally stage I don't think it would go on for hours because obviously you know I reckon a five minute or man that five minute three minute stage might be quite interesting and then you'd have two or three cars on the stage at the same time so you can flip back and forth to see who's going fastest maybe that could be how they do qualified for example um but we don't know and then when you but if you race on that then that's 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 difficult as well because obviously that's the thing i have is how big are these tracks in terms of these cars as you said when you saw them at goodwood and i think we've all seen them if you haven't seen them you know maybe we'll put a picture up but it'd be great you know they're so big so racing getting a car side by side on in a place like the amazon rainforest for example um would be incredibly difficult so I, i'm interested to see how how it all works around in those sort of locations because of course if you go to the arctic if you go to the desert you've got all the space in the world to create whatever you want to create but if you if you if you go to the amazon rainforest it's going to be a completely different different beast jack to sort of to sort of prepare the car for well yeah and uh, and and i think that's one part of of extremely that's uh, that's quite exciting because we do have so many different locations there will be so many different uh so many different scenarios to plan for and so many different climates it's uh, it's not like it's not like formula e or 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 any other like motor racing series when we go um when we go to it uh when we go to each country at its peak point um in ter in, in terms of like weather um we uh, uh weather is nice and uh and yeah so it's so yeah it's going to be exciting from that point um the, the rainforest well um it might rain there uh, yeah. I'm, 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 go I'm going on a hunch it <laughs> might rain um uh, and then uh, um and then the arctic will be absolute will be minus temperatures and then you go to the desert which will be 40 plus degrees it's going to be insane to see 
you know, what uh, what the different scenarios are, and I think that's going to play a part in terms of how unpredictable it's going to be. I think that honestly, Ed, to sort of wrap this up, I think obviously I think we can agree the the format's quite complicated. We don't know how it's going to work though. There's still questions that we have in terms of how long these races are going to be, what the tracks are going to be like, and I suppose that's what we've just got to to look out for. But I think as a whole, this series could be so important to the development of electric vehicles because obviously electric vehicles are going to be all around the world hopefully one day and they're going to have to be faced with these cold conditions these hot extremely hot conditions and they've got to work so the extreme e-series could be as beneficial as formula e in terms of pushing forward electric cars oh i uh, i agree absolutely and of course a couple of years ago there were rumors that uh, world rallycross was going to go electric and then the team's kind of uh vetoed against this it's great to see finally there's some development on that two things very quickly uh, that interest me veloce esports have hired adrian newey yes star f1 designer adrian newey on their team who's well known for like uh, his big aero developments also just building like fantastically ambitious cars so it'd be interesting to see how he they end up using his talents and the other thing that interests me is that apparently they are uh, the extremely people are planning to do a netflix style uh, documentary following the series so i guess that'd be the thing that comes to mind there is instantly formula one's drive to survive series so that would be a great way maybe of um introducing us to these personalities that some of us already know from formerly but the general public might not know say sam bird billy monger jamie chaddock jamie chaddock etc quite as well as we do so and, and maybe a bit ahead of the game of formula e in that sense with their and we go green and we've never and that and we go green to part of the pun has never gone green um, in terms of actually starting or actually anyone actually seeing it. So and maybe that could be a wake-up call for Formula E to maybe actually, you know, follow the trend and maybe go on Amazon rather than Netflix. or Show or us on. the film. Yes. <laughs> Release the cut. <laughs> yeah, but they haven't yet and no one, no one's seen it. So maybe that's something maybe Formula E could look to sort of either putting that film somewhere on Amazon or Netflix or creating a new documentary about Formula E because... It'd still be it'd still be interesting, even if we we were doing one now, for example. But I want to move on to because talking about Formula E, and we had a little discussion on what we wanted to talk about, and this came up as a really interesting one. Now, obviously, we're all acclimatized to merchandise, okay, and Formula E merchandise. And you go, we I've gone to these locations, and you see a bit of Formula E merchandise. Even at the races, they've got a couple of teams. But we we're, we're season six now, and I don't think there is as much merchandise as there could be for Formula E. For example, I went to the Autosport International show. For example, I know Formula E aren't a massive series. I know they're not. But Formula E took their own booth. They had their own section. And if you, they had their own merchandise stand. There was not one team merchandise thing that I could buy there. Not one. It was all basic Formula E branding. Now, I, I, part of me doesn't understand why Formula E do that and have so much because... As a race fan, and say when I was a race fan when I was younger growing up, you know, I wanted, you know, who I wanted Michael Schumacher's shirt. I wanted this driver's shirt. I wanted that Red Bull shirt because it looked nice. So I wanted that, you know, I wanted a Force India shirt because it looked nice when I was younger. You want a team brand. You don't want to wear someone who says F1 or Formula E, for example. So, but we're six seasons in and we've got all these manufacturers like BMW, Audi, and, and then Jaguar, Jaguar to be fair, the only merchandise I actually found at Autosport, but they're just nowhere to be seen, Ed. 
yeah, I guess it it was it's, it it's not as bad now as it was in the early seasons when there was nothing. And I remember going to Battersea for the season finale in the first two seasons. You could see a lot of people wearing F one caps and shirts and stuff, which uh, is not exactly the best advert for Formula One. It's trying to sort of avoid those comparisons and differentiate itself. But uh, so I, I can sort of relate to experience. I love motorsport events that um, that Formula e, uh, is is a I don't want to say a token presence, but I think it's very much um, the manufacturers, like so, like you mentioned, Jaguar, etc. Are probably they they it's in their interest very much to change that and sort of not just you know make more money, but also to sort of build their brand and their sort of because they're doing such a good job in terms of relating that into their road car side. Like I said a couple of episodes ago, uh, that it makes sense that that counts for into their merchandise. And don't give a point about that. Jaguar released uh, their own little Lego Formula E car. Uh, set and what I've done personally because that's the only team you can get right now I decided to make my own custom team so for example here's Mahindra and uh, that's been a little project I've been doing at the moment but of course I have to make all the stickers and stuff myself so it would be nice if um, we had more teams that did especially more kid-friendly stuff because I think like you said when you were a kid in Fulham, that was your big way one of your big ways of connecting with the sport and so I definitely feel it's not it shouldn't just be formerly models for like collectors it should be you know, clothes, hats, caps, also toys and games and stuff. Yeah, Jack, I agree with that totally. Like, it, there should be something more kid-friendly. I mean, even when, you know, thinking back when I was younger, Formula 1, it was just team wear. There wasn't really... And, and Hot Wheel cars, uh, to be fair, there were some Formula 1 Hot Wheel cars back in the day, and Formula E have released a Hot Wheel car recently, um, which is just the Gen 2 type. But it would be awesome if you could buy a whole grid of, of Formula E Gen 2 cars, which, you know, a kid like me who played with cars all in his early life would be would be amazing well yeah as uh, as you too well know i am a massive kid um so <laughs> so are we i think we are as well <laughs> guilty as charged yeah, and yeah and so yeah when no uh, so yeah at home somewhere i have got um i think it's um i think it's a williams that would a bmw williams that had the hp sponsorship and a jaguar um in um uh in uh, I I think they were Hot Wheels cars. But the thing is with merchandise, um, you've kind of come to the right person here because <laughs> I um, for for quite a few seasons I gained quite a few hats, and so I think I have uh, I, I I have a Neo one, I have um, an Elson PK one, I have a Mahindra one, I have a Dragon one, I have a um, Edams one. Uh, you I don't have to list uh, all of I've, them, Pico. Yes, <laughs> I think I've got. I, I think I've got eight or nine caps, which only one I actually paid for, which was the apt Audi Schaffler one that I bought in Paris. Because I don't know how I just came into. I just. I just seem to get loads of caps. Just. I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I've got the same. I've got the same because being part of the press, especially those early seasons, they were just giving them out for free. I have Mahindra shirts that I got for free. I got a next TV shirt and cap that I got for free. I got Virgin caps that I got for free. It's just, you know, it was par and parcel back in the day. I don't know if I'd get their merchandise now, for example. Like I but if they still wanted to give us at press events. But I remember there was a I remember the best one was I didn't get it. This upset me because I'm a big model car collector. But season two Berlin, these German it was all German, I don't know why, it was all the German media that went across, and they all came back with the green light Neo um, model car that had just come out, and I was like, 
where was my invite? I love these things. Uh, and they're all trying to get these massive, massive model cars back up to their hotels or to wherever they're going or back home because it was in Germany. Um, but I was like, where's mine? I want, I want to, I want a model car. <laughs> it's all right, Jack. I've I got one right here for you. Nice. <laughs> Ed, you've actually, um, uh, because I remember meeting up with you at the Neo launch last year um, and you got Oliver Turvey to sign um a neo from a couple of years ago I yeah think. and i had to ship that in from europe actually and so i think what jack was sort of alluding to there is that the european stocks at least or formula stuff seem to be a little bit better than say the uk specific stocks or... sort of just bringing it back to to the actual question you, you know what formally should be doing something i feel like in terms of merchandise there should be like you should be able to buy all the ds virgin like ds virgin well not ds virgin my apologies um virgin <laughs> racing um you know they've been in the series their their kit hasn't really changed um over the couple of years they've, they've always been that purple you'd think there would be something that they could have you could have had of that the only reason why i say ds virgin is because i've got a life i'm a big model collector and i've got a ds virgin jose maria lopez helmet from season three um on my on my desk but but things like that like like i've got model helmets like some things are starting to come through but not much or formerly i've got nelson pk season uh five helmet of jaguars here as well um and i've got some other formerly model cars and if you go on formerly's website you'll find a, quite a few model cars and if you go on some model car websites you'll find some of them as well which is great to see but i still think in terms of clothing and branding and people actually turning up to formula e in to this season's gear rather than wearing something from season two or season three because nothing has been has been put out would be so much better but they just they just haven't done that yet um ed yeah i agree i think you can't rely on teams giving away merchandise because you know that's not a sustainable business model for a start just to do it to like billions of fans but also, I think I think it's something that has to be a more accessible way because not everyone can win giveaways, obviously. And the one thing I want to add to that, Ed, is costs. Because if you look at Formula One merchandise, just to get a jacket, I think I was looking at the McLaren puffer jackets that Lando Norris and, and Carlos Sainz wear, and it's three hundred quid. And I, I just went on the Formula E website um, before before the show, and Mercedes have got something like a, just a long sweatshirt, one hundred and seventeen pound. So straight away, I don't understand if Formula E. I don't understand why, because let's be honest, right? Those those they're making like a bazillion profit on that jumper from the one that it's technically been made. But why make it so so expensive? That's what I don't understand. Like if you want people to stop wearing, form, you're a young championship. You want to you know make it expensive in a couple of years time but maybe cut the prices down so it, it makes it more affordable and have more former e fans actually buy it and more former e fans you know jacks start wearing it to the actual races rather than just turning up in normal clothes yeah i think what uh, i think what i'm now going to do is i'm going to set like a thing to do now before before the end of lockdown i will buy one piece of formula e merchandise that i will wear on the show at some point in the future because yeah i, I think um i um yeah because there isn't that much um uh there isn't that much um merchandise at all i um i went uh i've been to how many races now six i think and i think i've been to the fan zone in uh, in every single one of them um season three was when i bought um in paris was when i bought the audi cap 
But yeah, I'm trying to think of like many more. Play- I, I think I, I think there were a couple things in London, but where, uh, but especially when when I went to Rome because I remember this vividly because it's the last time I was actually at a Formula E race. Um, I I went to um, but uh, because they have this massive, brilliant building in Rome, which is the um, which is the fan zone, and then yeah, it was um. Uh, yeah, I went to the stand, and there was there was the there was the Formula E brand, own brand caps and stuff, and there were, and merchandise like that. But there there was still I, I, actually no, I think I lie. There was one uh, Audi cap, and I can't remember anything more than that. But um, yes, yes, they so they do they uh they they do need to do more, and so yeah, I'd um I'd quite like to see Formula E do some more about that in the future. Yeah. For sure, like I just feel like it's a missed opportunity, especially for a young championship that you want to have that merchandise, and you've got all these great teams, you've got all these great manufacturers, and it's just nowhere to be seen. And you go to the fan zone village, and there's nothing there. You go to these big motorsport events, and there's nothing there. Then there needs to be something. So Formula E, I think that's one project that they really need to work on. There was once upon a time, just to wrap it up, they, they were on different platforms, like One All Sports, All One Sports, I think it was actually called, um, had like the Mahindra and some teams stuff on there. But there needs to, you need to go on that store, and there needs to be updated within the first by the first race of everyone's merchandise that you can potentially buy so last thing that we want to talk about and this is a little new segment on the show so if you've got to this part of the show well done um so this segment is is youtube questions that's what we're going to call it we're going to call it youtube questions so if you have any questions any questions you want to ask about formula e just put them in the comments below and then we will answer them so this first one actually comes from one of our patreons and ed has got the question so ed fire away okay so our question today comes from daniel milford who asks should the current season become a super season that runs into 2021 we've sort of paraphrased no. the question but that's the essence of it but, so that, I think, Formula E, honestly, have missed the boat on this one. I think this was something that they could have done. Now, they've introduced this two-year cycle, and maybe they didn't need to introduce this two-year cycle, Jack. Because if they just ran it as a super season, everyone's using the season six powertrain all the way up until 2021. So the fact that they've introduced this two-year cycle sort of stops them from potentially doing uh, a, a super season because there's, there's just... They don't, they don't need to because they want to produce a new car at some point. But if they just ran the Season 6 car all the way to 2021, they didn't need to do a two-year two year cycle and they could have easily cussed costs because for a whole year, they wouldn't have developed a new car. Yeah, I think um, I think basically they are. They are actually doing a super season. They're just dividing it in two and making it two seasons. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's something that they could have considered, but the thing is, with the with with this fluid situation, um, there is still a slim chance that we can get this season over by the end of um, by the end of October. Uh, so I think it uh, I think it could still be entirely possible that we could get to. Um, Two event, two events, because that's all we need. We we only need two events to finish off this season. So make both of them double headers: Berlin, Valencia, as I said in the very first show, and then we, uh, yeah, and then we could go racing by the time by the end of um, January, and then we could have 
a, um, a season like that. I think that they, they could have done a super season. But the, but one thing that I do know with um, with what would have been a super season, the more races you have, the less chance that the championship will go down to the final race. And something that and something that I really love about Formula E, especially because Formula One haven't done it for quite a few years, is that there's always a title decider at the final race of the season. So I so yeah, I think the super season, yes, that could have been done before they announced the um the two the two year rule. Um but yeah, I think I think they I think they have done the correct thing because it um uh, uh, with the two-year rule, because it means that the teams either, either they can change it this year, uh, they can either change their cars this year or next year. So the super season may not have made sense, anyways. Yeah, well, I don't think it makes sense under its current format of this two-year system. If if they didn't, if they decided to do a super season, I don't think anyone would have minded. If they said, right, fine, we're just going to make a calendar for next season, but. That will also be this season. We're not actually going to start a new season. We'll finish in 2021. You're all going to use the same powertrain that you've got now. So therefore, you don't have to make a car for a year. That would have saved costs, Ed. But what I think, though, stopped them from that is the fact that next season we become a fully world championship. So did they want to just finish this season as quickly as possible? I don't care if we just do one more race or two more races for season six. Let's get to season seven because then we are official FIA World Championship and if they did a super season with the season 6 power trades till 2021 they couldn't have become an official FIA World Championship until maybe the start or the end of 2021 start of 2022 well I think we may have to finish this recording as soon as possible too but uh yeah I pretty much agree with that I think the World Championship status is a big deal for them and I think they definitely wanted to draw a line under this season I guess uh, it's like other sports as well, like football, for example, have decided they delayed their season, took the super season approach. I can see why Formula E didn't do that because they really only needed, I think, like Pico said, a couple more weekends of, of racing to really a couple more, two more events basically with you know maybe eight and double headers or whatever to to finish out the season in terms of making it so that it, everything counts and it's an official championship. So I, I can see the temptation of oh we want a proper full a really big season, but I think. Moving on to season seven, the Gen 2 cars will still be the same. A lot of things will still be the same, actually. So it's not like we're losing a season or anything. I think in I think overall, they probably made the right steps. But I can see where the complaint of where's the super season is coming from. Well, yeah, I, I felt the super season probably was a viable option. Like, it was a viable option to actually, you know, keep the cost down. Because if you, in a sense, there are teams now that will be building a car for season seven, a brand new car, which I'll have to keep in season eight as well whereas if everyone and then you've got this massive which i'm not going to be a, i don't think will be, i'll be a massive fan i don't think many fans will be a massive fan on is when you've got a season seven a season eight car or, or a season seven car on the grid and a season six car on the grid and there's going to be a you know a discrepancy in performance potentially between those two cars and making it you know maybe the teams that have their season seven car next season will be the stronger teams and the teams of season six will fall to the back let's imagine tech cheetah decide not to build a season seven car next season they're the best team at the moment in formula e but they dropped to midfield simply because the likes of jaguar bmw decided to build their season seven car first and then you've got that discrepancy in performance which you know uh, which I suppose I'll have to keep for season eight and then when Tech Cheetah come back. But then you've got two years of this up and down performance thing. Whereas if you had a super season, everyone's on the same playing field. You finish the season with all the same machinery and then you make new machinery for the start 
of, well, season seven technically, but would have been season eight. And I think finally we'd put to bed this season seven, season six, season five sort of stuff simply because, you know, and we can refer to it as a 2021 or 2022 championship and we can't keep remembering, oh, that was season one, that was season two. We just call it the championship by name. So, boys, I want to say a massive thank you to for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed your thoughts. Cheers, Jack. Yeah, thank you. And if remember, if you're liking the content, you can like and subscribe, and we will see you very soon. You've been watching the FEZ Show. Goodbye.